Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's podcast, the fabulous Adam Richard joins me to begin our new series, Mission Impotable. <laughs> where we cover all the Mission Impossible movies. My name is Justin Hamilton, and your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to have heaps of fun listening to Big Squid. Thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to begin this series with Adam. We're going all the way back to the original Mission Impossible film. This is the one that kickstarted not only a franchise, but the crazy lengths that Tom Cruise will go to pull off a stunt. And this is a really fun episode. Uh, we have some brand new segments for you. Uh, there's a few segments that you'll recognize from like our David Lynch series or from our Space Podacy episodes. And... Just a lot of Adam and I laughing over how great these films are. Like, this one is a scorcher. So, I hope you're ready, not just for today's eps, but the whole series as we work our way towards Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, coming out later in the year. Before we bring Adam in, I'd like to remind my Adelaide friends that I'll be performing in my hometown as of next week for five shows only. That's right, five, not six, all five. In five days, I'm in and out. It's my new show, Little Victories. It is appearing at the Rhino Room. And the first show kicks off on the 28th of Feb. And since you're a loyal listener to the podcast, you can score a big squid discount by using the promo code PODCAST. Type that in and you'll save yourself some money. So head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs for more details. That is justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs. (laughs) 
I also have a Patreon where my subscribers can access bonus podcasts, big discounts to live events, like even bigger than the ones that you just get through this podcast. Uh, There's scripts, there's works in progress, there's all sorts of things going on over there. And uh, when you sign up, you also have an episode dedicated to you. And today's shout out goes to Michaela Walsh. I hope you enjoy this episode, Mickey, and maybe even get a little incentive to dig back into the Mission Impossible series. If you'd like to become a Patreon subscriber, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton. That's patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton. And you will find a tier that suits you. All subscriptions get funneled back into this podcast. It helps keep it in production. So thank you to Mickey and to all of my Patreon subscribers. I'll be back at the end of the podcast to let you know what is coming up next. But for now, let's join U.S. government operative Ethan Hunt as he joins his team and mentor to take on a new assignment for the Impossible Missions Force. This is a professional outfit that always gets their man. But when their latest operation goes spectacularly wrong, it's up to Ethan to discover who betrayed him and his team. Let's get that Tom Cruise running action into full flight as we tackle Mission Impossible. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived? I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. I'm sorry. No one said me. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Just make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. seen me very upset this tape will self-destruct in five seconds well thank goodness thank goodness that (laughs) mission impossible (laughs) is bringing out a new movie this year to give us an excuse to go back over is this a guilty secret that you and i share that our love of these movies i don't feel guilty about it no, I don't feel guilty about it. I'm, I, 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 it's also my weird love of Tom Cruise. Who? Yes, you do have a weird love, like I, a proper I, love. You keep sending me yeah. all these text messages saying, look, Jennifer Connelly <laughs> agrees with me that he deserves to be nominated for Best Actor for Top Gun Maverick. Look, I watched it again the other day on Paramount Plus and <laughs> I cried a lot. I mean, I've cried every time I've seen it, but the scene... Where Val Kilmer is typing into the computer and he has a little emotion and I'm like, man, 
this guy's crying at a, a word doc. Like, this is hard work. <laughs> right. Well, isn't it because he's dyslexic and he's crying because he can't read it? Is that what's happening? <laughs> you can't be dyslexic and be a, a fighter pilot. You've got to do a lot of maths. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, but uh, these movies are... Uh, one of my favourites to see with you and and to share with everyone listening, oh. when Adam and I go to the cinema to watch it, we try to pick the moments where the actor realises they're not using CGI. He really is going to ram this helicopter into a mountain. <laughs> it was particularly fun with Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. Like it's because <laughs> I guess a lot of the actors these days, some, like someone like Henry Cavill, who I think did all of Man of Steel just in a – in a closet somewhere, a green closet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Zack Snyder built the movie around him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that also had that weird mustache thing going on when Joss yeah. Whedon took over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That Tom Cruise is like, CGI? Nah. Nah, we won't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, <laughs> and then there's the moment that Henry Cavill discovers it and it's uh, you can see it all on the screen. Yeah. It's like in his eyes. Like, what? Are you actually? Okay. <laughs> So for this series, we're going to cover all the Mission Impossible movies in the lead up to the new film. Uh, so this mm-hmm. will be Mission Impossible. It sounds like <laughs> the name that we should give this. We're going to, I've brought over some of the segments from Space Podacy, but I've got some new segments for us. But I always like to uh, begin these uh, episodes with, when did you first see this film? Uh, I saw it when it came out in the cinema. Um, I was, I wasn't, I was like, oh, Mission Impossible, you know, it's a, it's a fairly daggy TV show, you know, yeah. it was the NCIS of its day. It just kept running. They changed the entire cast three times and yeah. revived it in the eighties, filmed in Brisbane. And then I think, well, maybe Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Um, huh. and then in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I was like, oh yeah, Mission Impossible. That'll be fun. Tom Cruise is always fun. But when I found out it was directed by Brian De Palma, one of my yeah. favourite directors, I was like, yeah. oh, no, I'm sold. Yeah. And I went to a Saturday night session and the only seats we could get were like third from the front. Right. <laughs> and so me and my friend Claire, I remember, like practically lying down <laughs> to watch yeah. the movie because we were so close. Like yeah. they don't put the seats that close to the front anymore. Like no. there's a, a decent whack, but in the old days. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you go to the Ritz Cinema. Like uh, I went to see In the Mood for Love, which was a movie I'd never seen mm. before, and the only seats were that were available were right at the front. And I chose mm. to go and sit in the balcony because they are those old school front row seats yeah. where you would it'd be the equivalent of just sitting too close to your TV and only watching a quarter of it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I remember. I distinctly remember sitting like like at a ninety degree angle to watch the film. <laughs> So funny. Well, I've got something funny for you. I Mm. literally have no memory of seeing this film other than I know I've seen it because Mm. uh, even though I'd forgotten about Emilio Estevez and uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, which we'll talk about later, I'd also forgotten that Ving Rhames was in it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I have seen it and I remembered most of the film and I just cannot pinpoint where I saw it. I feel like I must have seen it at the cinema. But yeah. other than that, I've got I can't pinpoint it, which is really strange for me. Yeah, and I forgot how young Tom Cruise was in it. Like I've he's always thought really of, young. you know, Mission Impossible as something he did when he was older. Yeah. And I'm like, he's not that old. 
<laughs> no, no, you're right. You're completely right. He he looks so young. Uh, we will get into uh, Tom Cruise in a sec. Uh, new mm. segment for Mission Impossible: Stamp that passport. So oh, in man. this film, uh, which of these locations have you visited? Have you ever been to the Czech Republic? I have not, but it looks beautiful. I had a masseuse who was from the Czech Republic and he used to tell me all sorts of amazing stories about the place. He moved to Adelaide, so, you know, he's... uh, Maybe I should go and get a massage from him there. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Should have done it when you came to my 50th. I should have. (laughs) Snuck in. But, yeah, he was lovely. He used to tell me all sorts of stuff. And I think because I was... um, I think when I was seeing him, I was doing someone's topic on hard quiz but that I was writing for was The Witcher, which is, oh yeah, you know, a lot of Eastern European um, kind of stories and, uh, but yeah, it, it's a Czech author. So yeah, right. I'm, yeah. I've never been, but I am fascinated by it and it looks incredible on screen. Yeah. Say. Yeah. It, this movie's stunning and the Czech Republic is a big yeah. reason for that. Uh, of course, you've been to the UK. Uh, I have. We, we've both been to USA, but mm-hmm. I have not been to Virginia and Illinois. Have you? No, no. I've only been to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. All right. So uh, the, this is the segment, The Year in Action. So to give us an idea of mm-hmm. where Mission Impossible 1 lands, these are the, some of the movies that came out. Eraser. With Arnold Schwarzenegger, Vanessa Williams, oh. James Kahn, and James Coburn. I remember that. That was, uh, you know, the waning years of Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Was this was that after Batman and Robin or around the time? It's 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 getting <laughs> close, isn't it? It's it's got to be around that time. It's I reckon it's 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 a little bit before, isn't it? I think, but yeah, we're getting close. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we've got it's, the Rock. It's around the time of like oh. The Rock, what a great film. Yeah, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage and Ned Harris. Sorry, what were you going to say about Schwarzenegger before I interrupted you? Oh, uh, he just, he, he's, it was just the, the period where, because he, he could do no wrong for about yeah. five or six years. Comedy, yeah. action, whatever it yeah. was, everything Arnold did was amazing. And yeah. Eraser was one of those films where it's like, yeah, not that one. Not that one. No, 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 not that one. Whereas The Rock is a classic action oh, film. It's a it's a Bruckheimer special. It's got yeah. I, it's it's got a, an amazing Diane Warren song as they all do. Yeah. But I think that one is How Do I Live? Right. Um, Trisha Yarwood, which is oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. You when, when you get to the the big Diane Warren song at the end of a Bruckheimer movie, you're like, "Yep, yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm here yeah. for it." <laughs> Thank you. Uh we also have Broken Arrow with John Travolta and Christian Slater. Oh, I remember that being. Was it a John Woo? Uh, I don't know. Let me look that up. Uh, but I remember seeing that and thinking it was fine, right? Yeah, I remember it like getting like a you know John Woo it was kind of like meant. Was John Woo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being like, oh, it's you know, this is Americans doing Hong Kong action. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and weird that we bring up John Wu because he will turn up in this podcast very soon. Very soon. <laughs> uh, we also had the long kiss goodnight with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson, which I wanted to love, and yeah. it was difficult. It was difficult, and I and I wanted to love it because of both of them. It felt like yeah. a good felt like a good amalgamation, right? Yeah, and I liked Rennie Harlan. Like you know, I thought it was a bit cheesy, sort of proto Michael Bay, but yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was just a bit, nah. 
And uh, a movie that I left to last because there's a mild parallel to it is mm-hmm. Executive Decision with Kurt Russell, Halle Berry and Steven Seagal. And there oh is God. a parallel with that because that's the movie where Seagal's trying to get from one plane to the other and the thing just disappears and suddenly he's no longer in the film. <laughs> and you go, what, what, yeah. <laughs> what just happened? Don't get me wrong. I thank you. But also, what? <laughs> and that happens in this film. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like Steven Seagal was trying to, you know, get out of his cheesy <laughs> Steven Seagal movies. Yeah. And uh, the only way was if they killed him off halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- 30 minutes in, isn't it? So he doesn't yeah. get too far in. Uh, no. <laughs> So a uh, segment, all-star guest stars. So in this film we have, uh, it's pretty big. It's John Voight. Oh, my God. Ving Rhames. John Voight is like a main character. Yes. Uh, Ving Rhames just, you can see why he's stuck around all this time. He's But this was only like his second film, wasn't it? Like this was like on the back of Pulp Fiction. Like he, yeah, yeah. he, was, he was slotted into this as like, oh, yeah, he's the next big thing, grab him. Yeah, he is... Um, He's an interesting actor because uh, he's uh, he's super charismatic, and mm-hmm. um, you know he, he's kind of a little bit effortless. But I he also seems to have um, I don't know, like it, it feels like that they should have done more with him. Mm. You know what I did like in this is that he's such a menacing, terrifying character in Pulp Fiction. So seeing as this is the first time you see him out of that yeah and he's not he's he's kind of you know a little bit reticent he's a bit afraid like yeah he's he's constantly playing second fiddle to tom cruise yeah. which you would even though he's like three times the size of tom cruise it's like oh, no no i know you be the boss <laughs> just um I, i've looked up uh his imdb for you he's uh he, it's quite long before he gets to pulp fiction he's in mm. two episodes of miami vice He's in an episode of yeah. Spencer for Hire. He's in oh, I the, loved that show. <laughs> yes. He's in Casualties of War. Um, and then he's in Jacob's Ladder. And oh, yeah, no. Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. <laughs> I can't believe nobody So just kind of bit that. parts, I'm guessing. Yeah. And then I think it's like Pulp Fiction where it's like suddenly, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then you get him in mm. uh, Mission Impossible. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of him in Out of Sight as well. He's fantastic in that. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have Ving Rhames, Vanessa Redgrave, who's just oh. magnificent. And uh, loving every minute of it as well. Every like, minute of it. Like, it's almost like they've called her and gone, um, we want you to play this character. She doesn't get out of a chair. I'm just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I get paid. Uh, uh, Jean Reno is in it. and uh, Also, he was kind of like, hadn't he just come off the back of The professional? So it was only kind yeah. of big in France up until yeah. then. Yeah, I think so. So, it, so it's almost like, you know, this is a big blockbuster action movie and they've gone, let's grab some art house stars yes, and thrust them into the big limelight. And... You know, Jean Renault has now turned up in thousands of terrible, terrible action movies. Yes. Playing thankless little parts. <laughs> oh, man. That is so true. 
That is so true. <laughs> uh, we also get Kristen Scott Thomas, Emilio Estevez, Emmanuel Biet, and uh, Henry Zerny. I would count Henry Zerny as. Oh, I love Henry Zerny. Like yeah. this. This is the. I feel like this is the the perfect Henry Zerny role. He was, although he was in the um, TV show Revenge, right. which he was very good in, yeah. uh, which was okay for a season or two and then fell off the rails. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and married to Madeline Stowe, whose face was, was having some issues. Clearly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, I love Henry Zerny. He always plays this kind of character. Like yeah. he's always kind of the... You know the pencil pushing, officious, yeah, <laughs> admin guy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he goes for auditions and goes, "Yep, here we go again. All right, good to go." <laughs> Am I an accountant who's made good? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a it's a big cast, and uh, mm. here's a new segment for us as well: cruising around the mission movies Tom Cruise <laughs> made before and after each Mission Impossible movie. So, mm. uh, so in '93 he makes The Firm. In 94, mm-hmm. he makes Interview with the Vampire. Oh, yes. Interesting. And then in 1996, he pulls out Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire. So oh, Jerry Maguire. That's all in the oh, same year. That was the... Because after after interview with a vampire, with, which I think everyone went, what is this? This is yes. not your role. No. Um, he's gone. All right, I'm going to have to double down on the cruiseness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because then in he in '98 he's just a producer on a American bio sports film called Without Limits. But then, mm. so he does these two. It does Mission Impossible and Jerry Maguire in '96. He doesn't have any other movies come out until 99 and he it is Oh wow. Yeah, it's crazy and it is the one two of Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut. So it's Oh wow. So it's like he goes blockbuster mission filming Eyes Wide Shut because he was on he was filming that movie for 19 years. Like it yeah, it went for a really long time that shoot, yeah. didn't it? Like it was a year, yeah. wasn't it? Like didn't Kubrick keep Cruz yeah. and uh, Nicole Kidman locked in a yeah. <laughs> in a sound studio for yeah a they year. kept they kept having to pr- pretend to have sex oh my god <laughs> well no wonder it took so long but the um but it's it, it's interesting really interesting I read a really interesting story about Eyes Wide Shut the other day that Todd Field the director of um is it Tar is that the name of that yep. movie with uh Kate Blanchett Kate Blanchett uh, so he's an actor in that and he wanted to be a director. So he spent all of his time following around Stanley Kubrick uh, and Tom Cruise sat him down and was like, you're going to be amazing. And just, you know, gave his whole Tom Cruise super positive. You're going to be the best person who ever lived. This is amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, to the point where his first film, Todd Field's first film in the bedroom Um Apparently Harvey Weinstein got his hands on it and cut it and it was terrible. Yeah. And Tom Cruise set him down and said, look, this is what you're going to do. It's going to take six months. It's going to be painful. You're going to let him cut it and then they're going to test it. And you're going to say after it tests badly, remember the cut that I gave you that tested well before you cut it. Let's go back to that. And he's like, just hold your nerve. It'll be fine. And I was like, oh, my God, like Todd Field, like this amazing director getting this advice from tom cruise and yeah like you just go 
Because I remember another story about Tom Cruise talking to, like, I think it was Zac Efron. He goes, have you ever ridden a motorbike? He goes, no. He goes, oh, we're going to ride motorbikes. And so then he took Zac Efron out to ride motorbikes. And you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, when is the weird thing going to happen? And it's just like, no, I think he's just super positive. Like, I think that right. is all there is to him. He's just super positive. Yeah. Like, it's just, he's very, you know, action-oriented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's he just does something and then it's uh, there's nothing else going on. Yeah, like you think there's an ulterior motive. It's like, no, I'm just nice. Like what? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I definitely I, I don't think he's great in this film. I think he's fine. No, but um, he's uh, he's a star, but he's yes. not. The film's not really asking him to do much. I think this is also a problem. Hang on, I'm just going to move this. I think this is also a problem for De Palma in general right. where I think he kind of lets the actors do whatever they feel like doing. Like yeah. I don't get the impression that he's that hands-on an acting director because um, yeah. I've seen some of his films where it's like, what is that guy doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, you know, the, the construction of the film, the shots, the tension is really good at building tension and terror. Um, but yeah, just sometimes there's performances in De Palma films where you're like, is Brian even watching the dailies of this? Does he even care that there are actors in this film? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He should really, uh, reconnect with what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Black Dahlia, but there are some strange performances in that film. (laughs) No, I have not seen that film. Um, but I have heard that as well. So, uh, well, let's get into this. Uh, what do you think of the opening scene where the IMF team successfully conduct their mission? Oh, oh it's so brief and yeah. so, like, it just, it's like, this is what happened every week in that TV show and yeah. we've managed to do it in three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's been an hour setting that that stuff up and, you know, it was uh, Martin Landau would have the plastic face on yeah. uh, and then later on it was Leonard Nimoy when Martin Landau and his wife argued over their contracts and left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but, and here it's Tom Cruise with the plastic face on. <laughs> Looking like he's about to uh, walk on for a SNL skit. Oh, my God, it's so funny. I've got, I got a, a giant big cigar and I am a Russian. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because as soon as you see him, you go, that's Tom Cruise. How did this guy who's yes. getting uh, taken for a ride have no idea that that's Ethan Hunt? But he didn't. But but it is it's such a perfect opening to the film because you see the team, you see that they're really mm-hmm. good at their job, you get the impression this is how they work all the time and you just get lulled into that beautiful false sense of security. Okay, can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, and also uh, first appearance of Chekhov's rubber face. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great, and you're completely right. It's it's uh, it's seven seasons of the TV series rolled into three minutes, and we're, we're yeah. away. It's, it's like, good. this is what happens in this show? Yeah. Now we're going to fuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> So in this early part of the film, what trope do you find the most entertaining? The moment where Estevez is waiting for a file to upload successfully, one of my my favourites, or the part (laughs) where Tom Cruise pretends to be a human being who can joke around with other people? (laughs) It is a weird scene. It's like he's uh, someone sent him a videotape of a focus group where some joker is mucking around and he's gone, "I'll, I'll use that. That's 
Yeah. That's my character. Yep. I'm, I'm just everyone's pal, but just <laughs> it, it just doesn't seem natural for him to be undermining at all. Like, cause he's no. such a leader. Yeah. Like he's always, and he does spend the rest of the film leading, but I guess in this instance, you know, you've got, John Voight is the leader. So he's like, oh, well, I can be the, the mucking around one. It's like, no, that's not. <laughs> it's so funny because it is, I, I, I honestly think this is, um, there's a couple of moments where you're like, oh, Cruz is not comfortable with this. And for starters, because <laughs> I think his true emotions are coming through. Like he's sitting there going, John Voight, what's he done in the last 10 years? And he's looking at Emilio Estevez and thinking, he was in the Brat Pack. No one had me in the Brat Pack. Fuck this guy. Like, anyway, look at me. I'm having a good time. Everyone's having a good time, aren't they? Yeah, we're having a good time. Tom's like, I made a movie with his brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a really funny scene. But uh, otherwise, the you know, the old school, you know, the file was like, come on, come on. And you're watching it. Oh, my God. Hey, make sure that file uploads. Come on. It's so great <laughs> you know because what? they're not doing anything. Do you know what else I thought was weird was, um, and this is totally just off the wall observation, is because they're like, oh, it's the it's the internet, it's the future, um, and the internet was around at the time. Yeah, and like for some reason, the the graphic designer on this thought that the internet was all going to be in capital letters, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the internet yelling at them? Why, why, why are all the interfaces screaming? Yeah. <laughs> I did notice that far out. It's so funny. It's like, calm down, internet. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, the internet's talking like a child. It's, uh, it's yeah. de- demanding attention at any given moment. Uh, so uh, the team are sent to Prague to stop a rogue agent from stealing the CIA list of agents who are undercover yet the mm-hmm. mission the unexpectedly knock so the, the knock list it's the a knock funny list. One. yeah we've all been on it like i feel i feel like you know this this script uh and i love both the screenwriters but i feel like this script is one step away from being carry on mission oh i know <laughs> there's the knock list there's the knocked up list <laughs> there's the knocked over list all the knocks oh the knock knock list the knockers yeah. list <laughs> So I can imagine if they got the wrong one. And they keep saying, they keep saying knocklist, and I'm like, stop saying knocklist. Yeah, I know, I know. It's really funny. So uh, the the team go uh, undercover, and uh, they get to do this mission, but it fails, and uh, it leaves Ethan Hunt as the mm. only survivor. Do you remember what your reaction was on the first watch? I was like, what? They killed Emilio? But I know. I was, he ex- was a big. Big star. He was a big deal at the time. Yes. Like he was a yes. headline star. So it was yes. like, oh, I didn't even know Emilio was in this. How exciting. Kristen Scott Thomas. Was this possibly around the time of the English patient? Like possibly, she would have been, yeah. uh, you know, quite a big deal back then. Um, and it was like, oh, this is this is great. What a great team. Oh, no, the team's gone now. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like but specifically Emilio Estevez because also uh, really good direction from De Palma in that. He, oh, yeah. He feels like he's in it. Like he, there's, there's yeah. nothing about the way he's directed or his performance or the way that it's written that he's not going to be mm. there at the end credits. And it's yeah. a genuine all of them, shot. All of them feel like that. Like yeah. even, even the, 
the French woman who has one line and wears the yeah. the, the glasses and the yeah. <laughs> Like they all say, it feels like a really, you know, and I guess that's what that scene with Tom laughing and joking around is, is meant to make us feel like, oh, yeah, there are, you know, they've been a crew for ages. They're just yeah. getting on with their jobs. Also, John Voight, the apparent end of John Voight after, yeah. you know. And we thought he was going to die from smoking on a plane. <laughs> oh, that's, I thought this guy's done. This guy's cooked. So much easier to get those IMF messages that, you know, combust and turn into flame when you could smoke on a plane as well. So then you can, oh, no, it's just my cigarette. I can't believe you could smoke on a plane in the late 90s. This is, this is blowing my mind. Right. What, what was great was there was one section that you could smoke in. There was a section that you couldn't smoke in. And guess what that section was? The, smoke, the section that you could smoke in. <laughs> it's yeah. a plane. It's not, it's, it's not staying on an invisible border. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's so you know, weird. No, normally, it's technology that blows your mind. You know, when you look at it in a movie. Yes. But this one was literally smoking on the plane and going. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a genuine thing. That was a thing people did. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, Ethan Hunt, who is the only survivor, is debriefed by the IMF director and realizes there was another IMF team in on the job, which is great uh. because when you're watching it, you do see people looking. Yeah, around weirdly, like it's all there in the periphery. So when you discover there is another IMF team, it's it's not a shock. They haven't cheated you. No, if you were, if you were looking around, there were people watching them. And because I'd seen this a few times, like I'd I for, I'd forgotten. Because so many times lately, they've done this kind of thing in a film where they'll show flashbacks, and yeah. the flashbacks are not the scenes we saw. Yes. The flashbacks are something else. It's been edited in such a way. Like, you know, the, you know, it's done really well in the Ryan Johnson, um, uh, no, Benoit Blanc movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the, the, the next time you see it, like it's a different angle. It's a different edit. So well, I have to say, I was literally about to mention that I, on first watch of Glass Onion, spoilers for mm-hmm. anyone who still hasn't gotten around to seeing it, I saw, uh, Edward Norton swapped the glasses over for oh. David Bautista. I saw it the first time and I was like, what the? And next minute, choke, choke, choke. <laughs> Bye-bye, Bautista. But, but yeah, anyway, this is... This is like, yeah, you went like, because I knew what, or, that there was the other team. I remembered that from the last time I'd seen it because I watched this fairly regularly. This is one of those mm. films I go to where I'm like, I might watch Mission Impossible again. Mm. Um <laughs> And just, you know, you see the the guy with the tray behind the one with the glasses. You yep. see the the couple on the, the riverbank. Like they're not they're not hiding it from you. It's yeah. there in plain sight. It's just that, you know, everything else is drawing your attention away from them. It's really good sleight of hand. Like yeah. it's, it's great direction. It's great yeah. cinematography. Yeah, it's great. I, I I totally agree. I love it. Um, it turns out the whole mission was a setup to lure out a mole within the IMF, and now Ethan Hunt is the main suspect. So to get away, Hunt blows up a lobster tank in the restaurant to make his escape. And, and like the whole front wall of the restaurant is a lobster tank. Well, that's my question for you regarding the amount of water that gushes out. How big the was that fucking lobster tank? It's massive. It's, it's like huge. he blows up as he's blows up a swimming pool but like it's like i remember as he's walking to meet henry zerny in that restaurant and you see like just a wall of water above i'm like oh this bit (laughs) i'm all excited (laughs) it's a great scene 
It's so good. It's just a great set piece. It's so much fun. And like the, you know, you go, well, they could have only done one take of that because he's running away from water. Not as terrifying as Jake Gyllenhaal running away from frost. I have more on that in the Squid Bits for the oh, cool. end of the podcast. So uh, it's it's a hell of a shot to get as a mm. one-off, right? And, so, and you kind of you get you get the feeling that this is uh, this is where the crazy Mission Impossible giant set pieces is starting to happen. It's like, oh yeah, we'll do this for real. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a part of Tom Cruise who, when he rewatches this movie, thinks, oh, why didn't we just film on the back of a train? <laughs> why didn't Jean Reno actually fly a helicopter down through the tunnel? God, this movie. I mean, to their credit, they did use miniatures as opposed to fully yeah. CGI. Like, I think there's yeah. one CGI train which is really a bit on yeah. the nose and there's a CGI yeah. knife that made me go, Ugh. Yeah. Um but but miniatures is also hard work. Like that's not that's not an easy no shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So uh, Ethan Hunt uh, returns to the safe house after he is, uh, manages to run away from the exploding lobster tank and deduces <laughs> that the elusive Max, who was working on Job three hundred fourteen, refers to the Bible verse Job three fourteen. What is more mm. impressive? Hunt smarts, or that when he checks the internet for possible connections, it gives him a list of only 126. <laughs> well, he's looking at Usenet groups. Right. <laughs> so once you've filtered out all the kiddie porn, like that's probably, there's probably, oh, yeah. probably 126 oh, no. left on Usenet. <laughs> yeah, probably even in 2023, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a good scene though, and it, it's uh, it's it's fun watching uh, Ethan have to try and work out what's going on. Oh my god! And the weird interfaces for those Usenet Bible study groups—I had to understand what's going on with them at all. <laughs> and just just firing off messages like, you know, yeah. I, we remember the internet back in 1996. That's a yeah. quick montage. That was that's 36 hours of him sending emails. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he does get quite tired. He starts to nod yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they cut out all the bits where the internet drops out and he has to reconnect. Yeah. They've cut out all the bits where he's listening to that very ga-ding, specific ga-ding, noise. Ga-ding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it turns out Claire, the wife of John Voigt's Jim Phelps, managed to survive after her husband warned that they were compromised. Uh, what do you think of Emmanuel mm. Beert in this film? I did not like her. There's, there's something just like it's she's fine but there's mm. just something missing there's a there's a lack of charisma or, or something you know you know what i think the thing is the script keeps telling us that everyone desires her um but she has no actual personality yeah like and it's it's it was a huge problem in a lot of scripts at the time where yeah and you know, I think even even today, like when you know they try to make a, a character amazing and everyone loves her and she's incredible, and it's like, yeah, why don't you just make her that character? Like, yeah. show don't tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's like everyone's uh, you know meant to think that she is the apple of everyone's eye, and you're like, Matt, w- w- why? Like, you know, she's boring. She's, yeah, she's, she's a pout. <laughs> 
Yeah. She's, she's a pout with a power suit on. <laughs> yeah. Well, she doesn't get to do enough in the uh, in the lead up in those in those first couple of missions as well. Like no. there's, there's so much build up with Scott Thomas and Estevez that mm. you know, they maybe if we'd seen her being uh, you know, at the party a little bit flirty and and guys just meeting her falling all over or something, you know. But yeah, um, something. But she, but also she's. I don't think she's bringing much to the table either. Like no, because she's in most of the film. Yeah, and most of the time, you know, you don't remember if she was in the room or a chair was. Like it's right. <laughs> 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 like Ving Rhames and Jean Renault. You remember them being in a scene, and I, yeah. like I, as the movie went on, I went. Oh, I forgot she was also one of the firemen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I just forgot about her. Like yeah. I knew she was there as a concept. It's almost yeah. like she's the MacGuffin. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think it's one of those things that they rectify, especially with uh, Rebecca Ferguson in, in oh, later yeah. films, who's so good. Um, and uh, But anyway, we'll get to those a little bit later. So uh, Ethan yeah. Hunt contacts Max, who's played by Vanessa Redgrave, to let her know the list is Amazing. a fake, but he can get the real one for the price of $10 million. He wants $10 million oh for the real God. list, and he wants to know Job's identity. Just Ooh. between you and me, is Redgrave the best part of this film? Oh yeah, she's just enjoying herself so much. Like yeah. she's just saying, mm, "Of course, yeah, yeah." yeah. She's I, she's wonderful, and just like the way she calls him, "Dear boy," yeah, <laughs> she's kind of almost flirting with him. Yes, <laughs> older lady flirting is fantastic. Yeah, and and you just get the impression she is completely amoral. Like yes, and there there's nothing. Like there's nothing really kind of script based to kind of really oversell that, but she just you just go, yeah, yeah, she would sell her own sister yeah. or you know, whatever it took. Like she's yeah. And she looks amazing. Like her yeah. outfits are spectacular. Yeah. Uh, and and I love that she's never standing up. Like she's always she's in she's in a chair in the office. She's in the back of a car. She's in a yeah. train seat. Like she never has to stand up. She doesn't yeah. even have to walk anywhere. <laughs> yeah, must have been in the uh, in the contract. And uh, what a what a good thing to insist upon. The uh, I, yeah. I reckon uh, it's funny. You know, you and I have talked about this in the past, uh, just amongst ourselves, about mm. how Brad Pitt is a great great supporting actor and a great. Mm-hmm. reactor and if um like you, you watch one of his movies that isn't great like troy but his scene with peter o'toole mm. is really well oh, acted. Yeah. and amazing cruise is the opposite in this i i don't think yeah. he's very he can't keep up with her and there's one point no. in the back of the car when he's trying to be cool and i honestly think he looks deranged like he looks like <laughs> he has he's washed down a double nectar, two caffeine pills with a Red Bull and had a Coke just to, you know, knock the edge off. It's the bit He's of the very film. high energy. It's, it's the part of the film that I'm glad it's not in 3D because I would have been terrified to see Cruz's head coming at me. It's too much. Uh, 
So Ethan Hunt has to recruit a new team for his new mission that includes two disavowed IMF agents played by Ving Rhames and Jean Renault. They infiltrate the CIA headquarters in Langley and this is where we get the famous scene of Cruz being lowered into a room that oh. he can't make any noise in, can't touch the floor or have his body temperature rise too much or it will set off the alarms. This is one mm-hmm. of the first big Mission Impossible scenes and how do you think it holds up in 2023 I think it's still great I mean even though it's been parodied a billion times like we've seen it like so many times like it just became shorthand for um, spy movies it's like oh we're just going (laughs) to lower a Muppet into a room (laughs) yeah Um, but I think it's it's still a really good scene. It's really tense. It's, uh, you know, the guy coming in and throwing up and then going out again. Like, you know, <laughs> that's another, like, I forgot that it was Claire that poisoned that guy's drink. And I'm like, oh. My- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. My God, she's even boring when she's pretending to be someone else. Yes, I know. Well, you know why the guys, it, like normally you would think, oh, he's sitting way too close to her. But the reason he can sit so close to her is because she's a void. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. even know that she's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretending to do a shorthand. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a fun scene. It's really fun. Yeah, it's really great. And then, you know, just when you think it's not tense enough, there's the mouse in the, in the, oh, in the yeah. duct. Yeah. <laughs> Of all the things Renault, it's a it's a classic trope, isn't it? The big tough guy mm. who sees something small and can't cope with it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it uh, it's just a great set piece. And you know, if if this was the only good scene in the entire film, like if the rest of it was a steaming turd, I'd be like, it's still good. Like this yeah. this film's good because of this one bit. Like yeah. it's it kind of it kind of makes the film. It's it's yeah. the bit you remember. You're like, oh, yes, Tom Cruise hanging down. And also, if you've done anything, you know, if you've been hanging in the air at any point, you know what a ridiculous amount of core work that it takes. To, yes. Like, he's really, he's not hanging there. He's, no. <laughs> like, if he was hanging there, he'd be swinging around all over the place. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's funny because it's such a good scene, but the look on his face is so hilarious because there is something inherently uh, insane about not touching the floor and the way he's not touching oh, the yeah. floor. And, uh, yeah, and the floor is lava again. <laughs> right. And, you know, the thing is, is that you've said it's been, uh, you know, parodied so many times. 
Ben Stiller did such a good job of doing the parody of it. When yes. Cruz is pulling that face, I can see Ben Stiller's face. <laughs> but I tell you yes. what it has. It, it has one of my other favourite movie tropes, which is the guy watching everything on a monitor, panicking when things go awry, but then relieved mm-hmm. when it's fine. And it's just like, oh, oh, yes. and it's just, there's nothing else for them to do except sit and sweat. You've, you've got to love the character that tells the audience how to feel. Uh, <laughs> mate, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a really funny scene in Ocean's Eleven where it's um, Brad Pitt and George Clooney who are doing that. And it's funny because mm. they're way too overqualified to be the two guys watching things on a monitor. <laughs> And also, in I love both those guys, but I reckon they're giving us thirty <laughs> percent. <laughs> they're not giving us the full Clooney Pit experience in that scene. No, yeah, so, because then you wouldn't. It'd suck all the tension out of it because they, they wouldn't actually be paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, why are we going back to that guy? I want to just keep watching those two. Watch, uh, watch the yeah. monitor. <laughs> So uh, the team managed to uh, get everything out of there. Just also, um, how how blessed is it to see floppy disks as the oh, way to get information out? So hilarious! Like so hilarious. <laughs> having to having to put the right one in, yes. get the you know hold it between Copy the, teeth. the information across. I mean, look, it was no Gwyneth Paltrow trying to. Get everything off. Uh, <laughs> oh, the USB and Iron Man. Jeff Bridges' hard drive. But still, it was a very nervous moment. <laughs> Weirdly, my favourite scene in Iron Man. Yeah, it's such a good scene. Like, it's, it, do, it, like it shouldn't make sense. Like, it shouldn't be as tense as it is, but it just is. And it's really yeah. well. Like, I think it's, yeah, that one's all in the performances. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeff Bridges uh, is one of my favourites. And... I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a big fan of Gwyneth Paltrow's acting. Oh, I love Gwyneth. I think she's yeah. a great actor. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get a vagina candle, but, you know, as no. an actor, I think she's no, quite no, good. No, no, I'm, I'm a candle-free zone, just in case, <laughs> though I accidentally got that one. Um, so the team goes back into hiding in the UK, <laughs> and uh, Jean Renault decides he's going to leave with the information. He's going to leave with the disc, Adam. But Ethan Hunt oh. does a magic trick with the floppy disc to trick Renault into giving <laughs> the proper disc to him. And I've got to ask you, was this acting, or does Tom Cruise know magic tricks, and he just does this all the time? I, I don't know. I, I feel like if it was in the script, he would have, you know, we know Tom Cruise. He would have gone yeah. on a six-week intensive course, uh, yeah. secretly headlined at Vegas instead of David Copperfield one night. <laughs> yes. In, in the Mission Impossible makeup. Yeah. <laughs> in the rubber face. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there going, I, I paid for David Copperfield, but I reckon that's Tom Cruise in a rubber makeup. Yeah, Tom Cruise in a rubber, in a rubber face. Rubber He's doing well. Because <laughs> you know what he's like? He's just like, well, I'll, I'll learn how to do it. Like, I'll just learn. I'll learn that yeah. thing. It's it's such a funny scene. I feel like, oh, um, do you feel ridiculous. like in a previous life, Tom Cruise was a magician? Like, he feels like he's got some <laughs> magician energy, doesn't he? He's not that annoying. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been trying to explain to Gary about the um, the weird hierarchy of performing arts. <laughs> Yeah. You know, jugglers are at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And magicians are just jugglers who know more than one trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tough time for jugglers. Which is ironic given that all we do as comedians is just stand there and talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> like these people have skills and we're rubbishing them because like, no, they're no good. They're not. Because good. they learned something and it's better if you just turn up and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> you know what it is? It's like if, you, if you're going to put that much effort into something, why don't you like become an engineer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do something useful. Yeah. <laughs> we know we're not useful. We have yeah. no transferable skills. <laughs> yeah. I always suspected it. And then when it came to uh, the first lockdown and I thought maybe now that my industry doesn't exist, I need to get a job. And then I realized, oh, I'm not qualified for anything. Like I was looking at jugglers and going, God damn it. Those guys are ahead of me now. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I went back to uni <laughs> during the lockdown? <laughs> oh, makes so much sense. Uh, uh, learn a new skill. <laughs> so Ethan Hunt manages to see on the news that his family's been arrested. That's a like, slow oh news God, date. For drug smuggling, yes. <laughs> Ethan Hunt's family ends up on, <laughs> on worldwide news. Uh, so <laughs> he deliberately makes a phone call from a payphone to the IMF, which he, he knows is going to alert them to where he is. And mm-hmm. then just as he's getting back to the safe house with Ving Rhames, uh, the chair and the proper floppy disk. <laughs> I can't call the it chair. Claire anymore. It's going to be <laughs> chair Claire. Um, Jim Phelps resurfaces <laughs> and reveals how he survived the shooting. John Voight in this film. Survive what do you think shooting. of John Voight? Well, I think it's like it's it's a bold move to do with the character of Jim Phelps, who's the only character name used from the original series. That was it's. It, I Peter find Graves it a bit character. strange, right? Yeah, because you know, like because there'd been so many of these kind of TV movies or TV shows from the sixties and seventies turned into movies. Like this was a thing that was going on in the nineties. Yeah. Um, you know, you had the Flintstones and the Brady Bunch and it was all happening. Um, but this was, yeah. So this is the name, like Peter Graves, you know, our favorite, uh, pilot from flying high slash airplane, (laughs) um, (laughs) Captain Over. (laughs) Um, so So, yeah, he played uh, Jim Phelps. Do you like gladiator movies? (laughs) So he played Jim Phelps. It was so weird for Jim Phelps, the character, yeah. to have been dispatched so early. I'm like, oh, they've, they've just killed off the whole TV show. What's going yeah. on? Because um, it was exciting, you know, like John Voight, uh, Oscar winner. Did he win an Oscar or is he just nominated? Um, for Midnight Cowboy. Oh, um, sure. I'll look that up. Anyway, John Voight, uh, you know, respected actor and father of Angelina Jolie and now right-wing nutjob. Um, <laughs> John Voight playing, you know, uh, this legacy character in the TV show is dead. And then it's like, oh, no, he's not dead. And I, I think this is a really, again, another really well-shot scene where yeah. the last time we saw him, he was in that trench coat and we see him pick the trench coat up Um and then we just see the trench coat behind Tom Cruise for the entire phone call. Yeah. So when he turns around, it's like, you knew who that was. Like, yeah. it's not a, it's not like it's a surprise, but it's like, no, we gave you all the visual clues so yeah. that when he turned around, you would go, oh, he's still alive. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love it. Yeah. And what about his heel turn? 
Oh, amazing. It's, yeah, it's because <laughs> you kind of, um, like, they kind of make it go right to the end of the film. Like, it's almost like you think, is he, isn't he, is it yeah. someone else, is it, you know. Is it, is it a triple Tom cross? Knows. Yeah. Yeah, Tom knows, but then Tom's kind of like, being circumspect about it and so we're still like in a maybe he hasn't gone bad yeah but it's looking like he's the only one <laughs> yeah it's a, it's it's uh, and i say this as a compliment it's a very confusing ending because mm. you're not quite sure exactly where you need to land in, uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a lot of the situation um uh, fyi john voight was nominated for midnight cowboy along with Dustin hoffman but didn't win but no. uh, the, the film won uh, Best Picture and Best Director. Um, he, he should have won Best Actor for being vomited out of a snake in Anaconda. That was right. Uh, that was some amazing work. Uh, un- underrated. One, one underrated. Of, one of one doing of the a best... weird Panamanian accent the whole time. Dangerous, exciting, <laughs> isn't it, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> now there's John. a film with an amazing cast: Jennifer Lopez, Ice yeah. Cube, Owen yeah. Wilson, Eric Stoltz, John Voight. Directed by. What a film. James Cameron, right? Uh, Anaconda, no. Oh. No. Or did he do the sequel? Did, didn't he? Doesn't James Cameron have oh, no, some he did, weird... James Cameron did Piranha 2. Oh, no, Piranha The 2. flying Piranha. <laughs> right. One, one of three films he made that didn't make a billion dollars. So, yeah. uh, and I, did, I saw today, um, what's her face? Uh, Zoe Saldana now has been oh. in four films that's that made, made over $2 billion. <laughs> Like, she's had a hell of a career and a yeah. little bit underrated, I reckon, because she's good I, in I everything. I think she's the glue. Yeah. Yeah, she's the glue in every film where you go, oh, it's just missing something. It's like Zoe Saldana. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're back. Well, uh, Ethan Hunt knows that Phelps is really the mole because he discovered that the Bible in Prague was taken from Chicago's Drake Hotel where Phelps mm-hmm. was previously on assignment. So, and yeah, they made fun of him. They made the big yeah. joke about him getting the cushy cushions. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, so we, I, like I made fun of uh, Ethan Hunt for looking like he was trying to be a good guy, just making jokes. But in his defense, mm. he, he might not know how to hang out with people, but he definitely knows how to recall information. Yeah. And sell a <laughs> plot point. <laughs> <laughs> so... Ethan Hunt sets up Phelps, Max, and the IMF to converge on the London train to Paris to blow everyone's cover. And uh, a lot of good fun fights. Phelps kills his chair wife, Claire, uh, which is (laughs) – he he just turns on her very quickly, doesn't he? He's just like – I know. But I love the moment we find out, like, where Tom Cruise has to know for sure whether Claire is involved or not. So he employs – Chekhov's rubber mask for the final yes. time. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, the, I'm, I'm a big fan of the mask. If I see a Mission Impossible film and there's no mask, it's a little bit uh, like seeing a superhero film without a cape. It's it's like seeing a James Bond film and there's not, you know, at least one bow tie. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you need, it's like, what are you doing? Like, come on, give me a martini and a bow tie. Like, even if it's for 30 seconds, like, like I just need one mask, you know, yeah. Mission Impossible. Even if yeah. it's just, like, briefly at the start or yeah. you just got one nailed to the wall. It's like, oh, yeah, that's my trophy mask. <laughs> like, just yeah. I need a mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I just just for no real reason. He goes and gets a coffee, yeah. and then he comes back and he says, "Oh, just trying out the new masks. It's great." Yeah, just even even if that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a big fan of that as well. Uh, there's lots of uh, uh, the, the 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 fight scenes are fun. It's like yeah. How their arms aren't ripped out of their sockets on that train is a, a testament in, to their grip. In the tunnel, crazy. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Max being arrested is hilarious. Um, then the the uh, Jean Renault in the helicopter being attached to the train, so he must fly oh down the God. tunnel, is yes. glorious. It's glorious. so fun. It just it it. It's one of those things, um, I forget, was it maybe William Goldman who said, like someone said, you know, it doesn't matter how terrible the ending is, as if the rest of the film has been great, the ending can be as stupid as possible and people will just be like, yep, that's fine. Yeah. I have enjoyed all of this up till now. This yeah. can be as dumb as you like. And it is stupid. Like it yeah. is bona fide stupid, like the, the propeller blade almost cutting <laughs> just stopping at the last minute like come on this is dumb but it's just like we've gone with it all up till now and it's like yeah 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 well that's fine yeah yeah why why would we um why would we suddenly say that's too much yeah yeah there's no too much in this film but no, yeah, it's it's a movie of excess, and that's great. Yeah, and you know the fact is he blows up the villains with exploding chewing gum, which we saw yes. early on, and uh, that's what he used to get rid of the lobster tank. Yes, Emilio Estevez's red light, green light. <laughs> far out. How many times does Ethan Hunt have to remember to just? No, no, no. It's okay to have stinky breath. Don't go for the <laughs> chewing gum in the off chance. <laughs> How much how much was Chewy was in that packet? Yeah, I know. He must have had a six pack. It was fantastic. <laughs> so so where does this sending rate in the uh Mission Impossible universe? The ending. Yeah, where do you rate it as uh, uh as your favorites? Um look, it's not it's I don't think it's great because it it gets a bit silly, but then there yeah. are even stupider ones coming up. So yeah. Yeah, look, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, it's still yeah. fun and silly and exciting. It's just the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the stupid propeller blades at the end are just yeah. like it's one step too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. But um, And also but, the music cues are a little bit much when it's just like when he jumps onto the thing and it's like, what is this music cue? And then it's like straight into the Mission Impossible theme. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, you, you're pushing your luck there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing? It's pretty funny. All it right. <laughs> well, I've got some I've got some segments to uh, close it up with. So, mm-hmm. segment this is from our uh, Space Policy uh, series. Uh, who and how? Which character do you think you would be, and how would you react in their place? Oh, look, I'm, I have to say, I would almost definitely be Henry Zerny. Yeah, because <laughs> I. I'm very good at being an officious asshole who gets the wrong end of every stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and does vengeful things like, well, arrest his mum. Put her on drug charges. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just going up to someone's like, does anyone else know about this? Okay, yeah. let's pretend. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah, let's pretend. keep going. We'll be fine. 
Uh, so I would I, definitely be Henry Zerny. <laughs> I reckon I'd be one of the IMF team uh, in the other team, but I'm in the restaurant and when he blows up the lobster tank, I'm the one trying to save all the lobsters. that have... Put them back in the water. <laughs> yeah. That's how I'd feel. It'll be like that, that episode of The um, of the Simpsons where the uh, Bart gets a new bigger brother and... <laughs> And Homer throws, like, starfish at him at, like, you know, ninja stars and he carefully yeah. puts them back in a tank and then they get eaten by a shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That sounds about my... Um, you put all the lobsters right. back in and then a really big groper just comes um, tom, tom. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so sorry, guys. Uh, so the segment Zero Charisma, I feel like I know mm. where you're going to go. Who do you think has oh, Zero Charisma? Claire. I mean, yeah. I think she has mistaken her pout for a personality, a poutonality. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, she's, there's just nothing there. Like, as I said, yeah. she could have been a chair. Yeah. A, a really attractive chair, but a chair. Yeah. So I totally agree. And the next segment, better or worse, uh, might, I've, these have kind of run in together for me. So I agree with mm. you that Claire is a bit one off. I would improve this movie by just keeping. Chris and Scott Thomas in the Claire well, I, I had I had the exact, exact same thing. Swap her right. for Chris and Scott Thomas. Like she yeah. is prickly and alive and exciting. Yes. And also then not having, you know, because she dies in this film, I, I kept wanting her to, you know, somehow be the character she is in Slow Horses. Like this is just early in her career. Yes. <laughs> yes. But also, you know, so there's kind of an implication that, you know, maybe Ethan and Claire have a have a moment, you know. Uh, yeah, and- even from the beginning when he's, like, checking that she's all right right at the start in that first mission and you're yeah. like, what is this about? Like, why do you care? Like, she's pretending to be dead. <laughs> and and none, of it, none of it works. But no. Chris and Scott Thomas, like, they have that, like, I would have bought that more that oh. – you know, even though he had the old man makeup on, like it looked like yes. they were going to do it. <laughs> it like, looked like it was going to happen, which would yeah. have fitted in with her dating Jim Phelps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, can you put yeah, the mask I'm, back I'm, on? I like you to be like my husband. <laughs> yes, I would have believed Kristen Scott Thomas was going out with Jim Phelps. Yeah. You know, it would yeah. have a very Catherine Zeta Jones, Michael Douglas vibe. Yeah. No, no. But, and that's something that we know <laughs> happened in the real world. And so I can relate to it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, next segment: Top Gun Maverick emotional scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've 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 got to say, his grief at his team being murdered isn't memorable. <laughs> no, he He's, he doesn't have much there. <laughs> and, and and you know his 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 uh, Top Gun Maverick emotional scale is Ultimate Cruise. So yeah, this is oh yeah. I cried four times, I'm telling you. I, just, yeah. I can cry in that movie I just, every time. Yeah. What were you thinking? You told me not to think. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> we have the segment uh, Vanilla Sky Sexual Chemistry Award. And uh, I oh. feel like we've already discussed that he doesn't have any sexual chemistry with uh, Emmanuel Beert. And I also think, like, writing-wise, that was a terrible mistake like i think it's it's scripted badly in that they're trying you know it's even phelps's kind of says oh i knew she'd be able to turn you it's like we never saw it like he never once looked like he wanted to hump that chair no (laughs) 
like, and she's not really trying it on with him at any point. Like, it's yeah. almost like she's scared of him. Um, yeah, I just felt like it was a really, like, th- there was no scene kind of scripted for them to have any kind of frisson. I think it was maybe the script, script writers in their heads. You know, when you're writing a script, you cast whoever you feel like it. You know, maybe Tom Cruise wasn't cast at this point and they just had some real-life couple, you know, like Brad and Angelina when they did Mr. and Mrs. Right, Smith. They're like, oh, right. it'll be fine because they'll be together. Yeah. You know, what What I think Stanley Kubrick thought he was getting with Tom and Nicole. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, some real-life couple, you know, the, the Ali McGraw and Steve McQueen and the, the, yeah, you know, the getaway. The getaway. Like, you know, that kind of, ooh. Um, or even like, you know, you know, it, actors can do it. George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez and Out of Sight. Like, it's there. Like, yeah. it, is, it is steaming. And maybe the writers just assumed that, that they would get a Clooney-Lopez type arrangement and instead they got Tom Cruise. Like, like it would have been better if they'd cast a mirror as her because he probably right. would have had quite a lot of chemistry. <laughs> right. Right. Might have been too much. Might have gotten an R rating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be honest, I think he has more chemistry with the floppy disk in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Though I I do think he he does appear to genuinely like Ving Rhames Luther. Like, that's about the only time Mm. that he comes across as a normal human being. And I reckon that's why Rhames gets brought back. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, even even right at the end when they're having beers together, you're like, are they going to make out? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so confused. He looks like they uh, genuinely get along. Yeah. So, so I brought over this segment from Space Policy. Where are we now? Mm. How close are we to the technology in the film? Now, I'm oh. just going to warn you, this is going to go dark because what I looked up and what I got was not what I was expecting. <laughs> but here we go. In 2009, a Ukrainian chemistry student was killed chewing explosive bubble gum that blew off <gasps> half of his face. The student oh mistook God. the powder for the citric acid he often added to increase his chewing gum's sour taste. The police spokesperson said, even some of our seasoned officers who have seen a thing or two, even they were pretty badly shaken up by what oh they found. God. In brighter <laughs> news, so that's uh, that was what I was like, oh, I wonder if ch- exploding chewing gum... Ex- exists and unfortunately for one person it did it did (laughs) and he did exactly what i was worried that ethan hunt might do if he was going in for a meeting i'm a bit pongy i might have something Uh, (laughs) Uh, in brighter news because i felt like that was too dark a pack of the exploding gum from the movie was sold for 400 pounds back in 2017, oh, wow. which is roughly 700 Australian or 491 American dollars. So you could have oh, owned wow. that. That'd be fun. I could have had a pack of red light, green light. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got, uh, we'll, we'll sum it up in a sec, but I've got some squid bits for you. Um, uh, before you move on, can yep. I just say, as far yep. as uh, where are we now with the technology? One of my favourite moments in the film was very early on when they're doing the, the you know, the operation uh, at the reception and Tom Cruise has got the, you know, he's doing the funny accent and he's got the old man makeup on and Jim Phelps is watching it all on TV on a computer screen and I'm like, this is the shittest Zoom meeting anyone's ever hosted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And everyone's name is in capital letters. It was hurting me. Yeah. Everyone stopped yelling. 
Why is everybody yelling? <laughs> but it's just like everyone like wandering around. I'm like, oh man, I have been in Zoom meetings where people wander around on their phones, and like, yeah, like it only takes more than one person to be doing it for it to give you kind of motion sickness. Yeah, like when you yeah. see two different screens moving and you're like, yeah. oh, no, this Zoom meeting is terrible. I can't watch yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> this is too much. Jim Phelps, this is what happens when you become corrupt. It doesn't bother you. You're fine. He's not really that should have been our first, our first indicator. Yeah. He was more than fine to watch a Zoom meeting with 14 people all carrying their phones around. Oh, man. So funny. <laughs> So, uh, originally, uh, Mission Impossible was an American espionage TV series that aired on CBS from 1966 to 1973, and the show covered a small covert team of secret government agents known as the Impossible Missions Force. Did you did you watch it on TV as a kid? Um, once or twice. It wasn't like yeah. a huge. It wasn't like an appointment viewing. No, uh, I feel like it, I I feel like it was on during the day, and maybe I saw mm. it if I was homesick or something like that i preferred the streets of san francisco to be honest so did i i (laughs) love my faves yeah that was great (laughs) i'm surprised i haven't brought that back i know carl molden and uh michael Michael douglas Douglas. Douglas. yeah Yeah. i I had a lot of love for michael douglas from that film yeah Uh, from that series yeah it's such a great show uh, so in the TV series, they would use sophisticated tactics to take on the Iron Curtain, third world dictators, corrupt industrialists and crime lords, etc. And this team worked as an independent agency of the United States government. In season one, Dan Briggs, played by Stephen Hill, would recruit agents for the different missions, but pretty much recruited the same people. And they <laughs> include... <laughs> so it was always, I better get a team together. And it was always the yeah. same team. So it was Barbara Bain as Cinnamon Carter, Mm -hmm. who was a top fashion model and actress. You Mm -hmm. had Martin Landau as a noted actor, makeup artist, escape artist, magician, and a man of a million faces, and he was called Roland Hand. G'day. Uh, There was the character... We've got uh, Barney Colliers. He was played by Greg Morris, a mechanical mm-hmm. and electronics genius. And finally, Willie Armitage, played by Peter Lupus, who was the world record holding weightlifter. Yep. Like, what a team. What a team. It, it, this feels more like the Fantastic Four than it does. Like, it's so random, you know? Uh so Stephen Hill uh, only lasted uh, the first season. As an Orthodox Jew, he had to leave on Fridays at 4pm to be home before sundown and was not available until after dark the next day. The production schedule made it difficult to progress and when Hill began refusing to do certain stunts, they decided to move on. Uh, mm. Several writers took turns at working on this script. Uh, David Kep and Robert Town are credited, but both writers mm-hmm. were unhappy with having to make their final script fit around the action scenes that De Palma yeah. and Cruz planned. So, uh, so you must have these big action scenes, and then. But I think yeah. that's how Marvel works, isn't it? They have the big action yeah. scenes, and then they f- fill in the gaps. Yeah, like the the. It's just like do what you're told. Write a script. Yeah, make it work. <laughs> yeah, uh, the glass walled restaurant was Cruz's idea, but he had to ah. do the stunt himself because De Palma felt the stunt double didn't look convincing enough. And oh. I reckon you're right. This is this is where it goes fucking 
Yeah. If I can do this, I can fly into space. I can space. do anything. Yeah. I can hold onto the side of a plane as it takes off. <laughs> Gary keeps sending me like, you know, every now and again, you'll see like an Instagram of like a bird on the wing of a plane and then yeah. it just zoops off. Or the other day it was like a cicada just sitting in the window, just like hanging on for ages. And then it, <laughs> yeah. he always sends it to me and just writes, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise wouldn't fly off. He holds on for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, the French rail operators initially refused permission to use the high-speed TGV in the climax. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Alan Silvestri was fired as the composer during post-production and replaced with Danny Elfman. Oh, wow. Um, the original series cast refused to be in the movie when they discovered the plan to kill off the team in the first half hour and revealed that Jim Phelps was now the antagonist of the film Uh, so i guess oh so those roles were all meant to be the originals right i think so yeah so martin landau said it was basically an action adventure movie and not mission the ideal mission was getting in and getting out without anyone knowing we were there so the whole texture changed why volunteer to essentially have our characters commit suicide i passed on it and the script wasn't that good either uh (laughs) Greg, it's the, writer of, it's the writer of Chinatown. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't happy with it either. So, you know, maybe. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg Morris, who played Barney Collier in the original series, was so disgusted with the film's treatment of Phelps' character that he left the theatre before the film oh, ended. And wow. Peter, Peter Graves also disliked how Phelps was portrayed. Uh mm. There was initially a sophisticated opening sequence that introduced a love triangle between Phelps, Claire and Hunt. But George Mm -hmm. Lucas said they should remove it because it takes the audience out of the genre. Yeah. George Lucas, for once, having a good idea. Wow. Let's let's, let's just enjoy this moment for (laughs) what it says. But I think he's right. But then uh, it's like they they should have... like they should have taken it all out, because then it doesn't yeah. make those. I think the stuff that happens later is from previous drafts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's there's obviously meant to be something going on between them, but it just there's nothing. There's, there's nothing. nothing between them. Yeah, and he no. said no one's going to believe Ethan Hunt would bang a chair. Um, <laughs> he'll get splinters. He'll get splinters. You know how he feels. <laughs> That's um, his biggest stunt to date. Yeah. <laughs> He's risking splinters by <laughs> fucking a chair. Yeah. Finally. Cruz doing I'll it do what it he's for always real. wanted. I'm Tom Cruise. Yeah. No stuntman, please. Uh, so Apple Inc. invested $15 million into promotion linked to the film, which included a game, print ads, and a television spot featuring scenes from the TV show turned into the feature film along with placement of Apple personal computers in the movie. This was because Apple was attempting to improve their image after posting Mm. a $740 million loss in its fiscal second quarter. Oh, wow. That's weird, isn't it? I know, it's weird to think of Apple struggling. I remember back then, that was before the... um, That was before the... Candy Coloured IMAX. Yes, right, right. And uh, is that before the David Fincher adverts and things like yeah. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
promotion of the film in Germany was complicated due to their ban of Scientologists from joining the state civil service. The Church of Scientology responded that they hadn't invested in the film and that it was part of a pattern of religious discrimination by German authorities. Mm. And uh, finally, there were rumours that De Palma and Cruz didn't get along, fueled by De Palma when he excused himself at the last moment from scheduled media interviews before the film's theatrical release. Oh, dear. Deary me. All the drama. So it's all second unit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like he made it and then he was like, that is enough. But I, I wonder if yeah. that ends up being a good thing for a while there because it means it changes up for a while and makes it yeah. a... You know, for a while there, it's a, a a director's delight. So yeah, it's like what like whatever the director wants, like they get, and then then bring something. It's just been the Christopher Macquarie show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really has. The uh, the 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 cruise whisperer. He seems to the be. cruise whisperer. Yeah. yeah, they get along so well. They seem to be best mates. Right, just uh, just him and Cruise and you know. Uh, What's his name from Spaced? <laughs> Who got Simon ripped? Pegg. Simon Pegg. You know what? It just makes no sense because I thought of Simon Pegg and I couldn't think of his name because the first thing I thought of was the first time I saw him with his shirt off and he was ripped and it was like, like good on you. But I here's here's I've a name drop. Recovered. My sixth my sixth ever gig was supporting Simon Pegg at the Last Laugh. Oh great! Yeah. Was it a fun gig? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was organised by Ali Catterick, I think, at the time. Oh, yeah, right. Yes, yeah. uh, Hellier and I got to interview uh, Peg and Frost and also Edgar Wright. And, um, oh, fun! That was for the third of the Cornetto films, uh, World's End. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, It was a very funny chat because we, we were convinced that uh, the lead character was based on Fleety. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It was someone else. Tragically, there are fleeties everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> every comedy every comedy clique has its own fleetie. <laughs> yeah. No, turns out it was Matt King. Anyway, just remember oh. that when you're watching it. Anyway, our final segment, Sum It Up. What does this me- mm-hmm. movie mean to you, Adam? This is, you know, I love an espionage film. I love a big action film. I love a Tom Cruise film. And I love a Brian De Palma film. And this does not disappoint me in any of those areas. Like, yeah. it's all of those things. It's, I absolutely adored it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's nearly perfect as a yeah. Mission Impossible film, uh, which is weird to say. You'd think the first one would be perfect and then it would be diminishing returns. But I think there's a few, you know, there's, characters who are pouts uh and chairs um and there there's just like too much expectations of (laughs) our suspension of disbelief at the climax yeah um but yeah i'm I'm, it's almost perfect so i think for me it's a it's a four out of five okay look i reckon uh, great work by de palma solid action good thrills uh not Cruz at his best, and I think mm. I think um, it's not the fault of the film, but his insane stunts in the future uh, mm. kind of uh, have reflected badly on this film. But that's not fair to this film. Yeah, because uh, you know, they I didn't see, know that in the future he would be hanging off the side of a plane, of a fucking plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and trying to kill Henry Cavill by 
flying a helicopter into a mountain. So uh, I, I reckon this was great, and I'm going to give this three and a half Tom Cruise jaw flexes out of five. Oh, there you go. <laughs> jaw well, flexes. So next up is Mission Impossible 2 and uh, directed by John Woo. <laughs> John Woo. Uh, with Tandwee Newton in it. Yes. And uh, admission time, the only one I've never seen. So I'm really excited. Oh, and it's filmed predominantly in Sydney. Yeah. So we'll be, we, we could go on a tour of the, the set pieces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait to step um, out into Sydney. Yeah, written by uh, the guys who had been writing Star Trek: The Next Generation, and for the previous seven years, and wrote uh, the first two Next Generation movies. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's an it's an interesting film. Um, and I, is it Do Grey Scott who's in it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he was stuck filming this because it kept going into long and like and they he kept couldn't doing do Wolverine? reshoots and reshoots. Yeah, and he couldn't do Wolverine, and then yeah. Hugh Jackman got Wolverine. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. Another thing to be thankful to Tom Cruise for. Thank you, because <laughs> you you gave us you gave us you inadvertently gave us Logan, and I'll always be grateful for that. Oh, Logan's such a great film. <laughs> All right, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Josie. Thank you to Adam for joining me today. We've already recorded the second episode and that will be coming to you in a few weeks. And uh, look, I'd never seen that one. That was the only one I'd never seen. Everyone had warned me, you don't need to see it. Everyone said to me, it's not very good. And then I watched it and they were right. If anything, by saying it wasn't very good, they talked it up. (laughs) But the podcast that Adam and I recorded is spectacular. It's so much fun and... uh, In a way, thank goodness for the podcast, right? I think that's what got me through that movie. But anyway, that'll come, I reckon, sometime towards the end of March. But our next Big Squid episode drops on Thursday and welcomes musician Imogen Clark. Uh, I've never had her on the podcast before. Uh, This is like the first time that we'd really properly hung out and she's great. She's talking about her career. She's talking about her latest music. And we also discuss our favourite albums from 2022 and also the listeners' suggestions. Uh, So you may have already heard the 2022 Favourite Movies episode with Alexi Toliopoulos. And then last week we had the Favourite TV Shows with Adam Richard. And this week it's all about music. And uh, last year uh, I put it out to my Patreon subscribers to suggest to me what they've been listening to and uh, we discussed that on the podcast so keep an eye and an ear out for that on Thursday. A big thank you to our Patreon subscriber for the episode, Michaela. Thank you for contributing to this podcast and helping us make these episodes happen. If you'd like to join our Patreon and have access to extra podcasts, bigger discounts to live events, scripts, works in progress, etc., head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton to find a tier that suits you. Uh, As I said earlier, all money goes back into this podcast because it's takes quite a bit of coin to get this out there so uh, if you'd like to subscribe that's where your money will go it will go to the professionalism or semi-professionalism of this podcast and one last reminder for Adelaide friends 
remember, use the Big Squid Discount Podcast. When purchasing tickets to my Adelaide Fringe show that starts next week, head to bigsquidpod.com and the gigs page will give you all the details. Now, you've probably listened to this podcast in the past, but if you haven't, uh, usually... Just about every episode finishes with a quote. Just about. And I figured for our Mission Impotable episodes, I will be finishing with Tom Cruise quotes. Just Tom Cruise. That's right. All Tom, all the time. <laughs> or should that be all Tom, all the Tom? I don't know. Anyway, I found a bunch of Tom Cruise quotes and I loved all of them. And I figure, let's just finish with him. So today's quote is, I go without sleep. I just go hard. <laughs> oh, man. It is genuinely the best. Um, thank you so much for listening. Until then. On a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.